When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. Australia are 1-0 up in the NRMA Insurance Test Series against South Africa. After a two-day test in Brisbane, Louis Cameron and myself, Josh Shonafinger, were there. And now we're in Melbourne ahead of the Boxing Day Test. And Louis, the question on everyone's lips is Scott Boland or Josh Hazelwood? Hi, Josh. Uh, Nice to to see you. Uh, Yes, it was the question on all of our lips when Scotty Boland did his press conference uh, a couple of hours ago, and uh, it was literally the first thing he got asked. He got asked about it in multiple different ways. People... um, yeah, look to look to find a, a different way into it, but um, the the answer was Scotty doesn't know uh, at the moment. <laughs> so, um, I mean, he's he's still in the dark. They, I guess, they haven't made a decision yet. Um, you know, you'd you'd think that they'd be leaning one way or the other. Um, I noticed Andrew McDonald uh, selected Tony Dodemate and Pat Cummins were sitting on Gatorade Eskies at training today, deep in discussions, squirreling squirreling away and. I imagine one of the things they were probably talking about is is Hazelwood versus Boland. They might be talking about other things that we that we don't know about just yet. But uh, I think it's it's the uh, it's a topic on all of our lips, and we don't have a definitive answer just yet. Which uh, look, it's a great thing because we get to keep speculating right up until maybe even Boxing Day morning. Yeah, and speaking of fast bowlers, before we get too far into this podcast, we do want to say that you, Louis Cameron, spoke with Lance Morris, a member of the Test squad for the last couple of Tests. Uh, he bowls very fast, he's a very exciting prospect, and he's coming up on the show, so stick around for that. Now, Scott Boland and Josh Hazelwood, was it a good old-fashioned bowl-off in the Nets today, or were they sort of uh, taking it a bit easy? No bowl-off just yet. So our listeners will be uh, hearing this, uh, I believe, on Saturday morning, two days out from or Christmas Eve is probably the better way of putting it. I forget about <laughs> days of the week at this time of year. Uh, and I think that that will be the day that um, we'll probably see both of them bowl. This is kind of the way that the team operates these days that um, they kind of like to have their main training session two days out from the start of a test match. So... Uh, Scott Boland was he was at training today. He he did a bit of his his normal kind of technical work that that um, we've kind of seen for a while. I tweeted a little video of him bowling uh, with a ball, but just shadow bowling uh, and going through his, his full kind of routine, but um, not actually releasing the ball. So he has all these kind of little technical things that he goes through a couple of days out from a game, uh, and then uh, has his main bowl as I said two days out. Hazelwood would normally do that as well, but there's the added uh, thing for him of having to prove that he that he's over his side strain now. And uh, I believe he had a bowl in the Junction Oval Nets on Thursday. Um, he also had a bowl in uh, where we come from from Brisbane uh, a couple of days ago uh, when he joined up with the with the squad during that test. So everything suggests that he's on track to to be available for Boxing Day. He's just got to show that. Um, initially he said that he wanted to get through medical stuff, wanted to see him get through two 
spells on the 24th, on, on Christmas Eve. So that's kind of the, the thing we'll be watching for. How does he pull up from the first spell? How does he get into the, the second spell? And and then it's not just that straightforward in terms of if he gets through, he, he plays. The selectors then have to go, okay, Josh is available. Do we make the big call of of uh, of dropping Scott Boland, or do we we stick with um, you know reuniting the big three as has kind of become custom? So a really interesting you know forty eight hours to to come, I reckon. And of course, Scott Boland is the MCG specialist. That's why he was brought into the Australian team last year during the Ashes because he could bowl at the MCG. An amazing record. So it would almost be a, a sense of irony if he gets left out for the MCG Test this year. Well, there's a, a, another element to it. I mean, this is a it's a, kind of an amazing story. I mean, Scott Boland's whole test career to this point is, is an amazing story. I think it's 25 wickets at 10.36 at the moment. And he was saying today that uh, teammates make fun of him when his bowling average goes back above 10, which um, which is quite funny. But the, the uh, another interesting part of all this is that he wasn't actually picked to play on a seeming MCG pitch, which is what they got against England last year, and and what Scott's got for all five of his five tests now, I think that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, all five of his tests at, have all been at home, and they've all pretty much been on wickets that have offered him a fair bit of assistance. He actually got picked as a guy to bowl on lifeless uh, pitches, the kinds that he did really well on with Victoria at the MCG, because that's what. The MCG was for for a long time. It was a a dour surface that required an absolute workhorse who could bowl fifty or sixty overs over the course of four or five days. Uh, and we haven't actually seen what he's been picked to do yet. I think Pat Cummins actually said a little while ago that um, he's he's shocking at reading pitches. And when they picked Bowling, they were like, "Yeah, we need someone to get through through the overs." So it's so it's so interesting that it, like Australia didn't know how good this bowler they had was and 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 that he still hasn't been picked for for what he's originally got into the team for so there's so many interesting parts of this it's crazy uh, speaking of pitches have you had a look at the mcg track and uh, how it's uh, shaping up for the test in a few days time only from a from a distance so we asked the south african who got put up for media today which was their batting coach justin sammons and he said that it was a little bit softer than he expected softer than what the gabba had been uh, oh, wow. a few days out so i wouldn't read too much into that i i am not a a curating or or um, turf management expert but i believe you probably want to get a bit of moisture into it now a few days out and then kind of let it bake um, and we are expecting some some hot weather over Christmas in Melbourne. So I don't think that's anything too unusual. Uh, what he did say as well was that um, it's less grassy than the Gabba, um, which, you know, probably anything would be less grassy than, than the thing they played on at the Gabba. But, um, yeah, early signs would suggest that they're not going to get a an absolute rager like the Gabba, whether you get something that seems as much as, as the Ashes pitch at the MCG last year. That's probably yet to be yet to be seen. Yeah, and last year's MCG pitch was a bit of an anomaly, <clears throat> and last year's Melbourne pitch was a bit of an anomaly in terms of uh, the history of the Boxing Day Test. Uh, hasn't ever been that spicy before, so probably unlikely it'll be like that again. Uh, there is one player though who will definitely hope it's not a green seamer, and that's David Warner. He will play his one hundredth Test match at the Boxing Day Test this year. And what's his lead-in been like, Lou? Have have you seen him spanking the ball in the nets in the lead-up? 
didn't see him in the nets today either. So he um, he will probably train tomorrow. Uh, he wasn't among the – it was an optional training session today and he wasn't among the, the batters to, to be having hit. We, uh, we – yeah, it's a, it, I mean, it's a, it's a funny one with him. Like he uh, had, had a bit of a um, – there was a bit of a storm yesterday when he Instagram storied something uh, <laughs> of him, him going to Bali, which apparently was just a, a wind-up of a mate who's over in Bali at the moment. Um, I think he, he wound up a, lot, a few sections of the media who thought, oh, has – as Dave Warner packed it in and, and called it quits ahead of his hundredth test, which would uh, certainly be a, a big story. But no, he's uh, he's on track to open the batting, as far as I know, at the uh, at the MCG. He's he's going to be speaking to reporters tomorrow. I think for the, just about the first time during this test summer, and and certainly for the first time since he um, kind of came out with that quite explosive um, Instagram. Uh, there's a lot going on with Dave Warner's Instagram now I think about it. But, yeah, he, he, that was, he issued a, a statement on his Instagram of, of before the Adelaide test, I think it was, kind of detailing why, he put, why he's pulled out of the um, Cricket Australia process to uh, review his lifetime leadership ban, which, which for the moment is, is going to stick. So I think there'll be a lot of questions about that and a lot of questions about, um, you know, about his career, his reflections and uh, what, what it will feel like to, to play in his 100th test at, um, at one, of the, one of the greatest grounds in the world. Yeah, and heaps of stuff on cricket.com.au about David Warner's career to date. We've ranked his 24 test centuries. We've got the Aussie team talking about their favourite ball memories and their favourite shot of his. Uh, so jump on there if you're a big fan of David Warner. Plenty of content there for you to look at. Uh, one player who's had a really interesting summer and weird in his own words, Cameron Green. He's hardly had a bat, he's hardly had a bowl, but Australia have been dominant in all three test matches that they've played. So what more can Cameron Green really do at this stage? Yeah, yeah wait for a good chance. I think that uh, long hit that he did get at, at the Adelaide Oval, he, he did look a little bit, um, you know, not not quite in full form. But uh, George Bailey, after the after the Brisbane test, that he thought he was one of the most fluent-looking batters. And I know he only made 19, but he played a series of just gorgeous off-drives down the ground, which, yes. yeah, it's only 19, but, you know, 19 was probably worth, you know, probably double that on that pitch. Um, and it probably suggests that, that maybe he's, he's finding his form. The other part where it's going to get weird and, and listeners will know the answer to this question already, so we, we won't dwell on it too much, but uh, he will have gone under the hammer in the IPL auction uh, by the time people are listening to this. So um, that, could be, that could be really interesting. Like he could go for a lot a lot of money and I know a few of his Aussie teammates uh, have been teasing him about um, <laughs> that maybe which suburb in Perth he might be buying a buying a house in uh, in the next uh, in the next few months if that all comes to pass so lots um, lots for him to ponder and um, you know first and foremost his uh, focus will be on this test and I should point out that that's what he was focusing on in the nets today he wasn't thinking about IPL uh, or, or if he was, he was he was um, keeping it hidden because he was practicing his forward defence, his leaves, <laughs> punches off the back foot, uh, none of which he'll need at the at the IPL. So, um, yeah, interesting interesting spot for for Cameron and and you know a fresh challenge for him early in his career, right? Yeah, good luck to all the Aussies overnight at the IPL auction. Hopefully, some of them got a big payday, and uh, it would be nice if uh, Cameron Green did go for a couple of mil, and then we see him bring out the switch hit or. The scoop shot in a test match, uh, probably not on brand for Greeny, but uh, it'll be entertaining nonetheless. Uh, any news out of South Africa's camp ahead of Boxing Day? Are they going to make any changes? Uh, I think, it, I mean, it was interesting today just listening to uh, their batting coach talk about 
Um, you know, he got asked about the pitch, um, you know, as, as you would have expected, uh, the pitch of the Gabba. And, I mean, Dean Elgar after the test, I mean, really, wh- whether it was a tactic or not, to deflect maybe some of the some of the criticism, but um, he was he was quite scathing on the on the Gabba pitch. That ended up getting a below average rating by the ICC, uh, and you know he he really kind of turned up the heat on it. Uh, and the batting coach just you know didn't didn't quite buy into that at the same extent and said that um, you know both teams had to play on it, and you know there were there were no issues from their end. So I mean that. That you know would would tally. I'm not saying that they're on, they're not on the same page. The captain and the batting coach. Like I think, yeah, it's quite smart from a captain to you know take a take a bit of the heat off publicly. But you know behind the scenes, I reckon they're they're working really hard to make sure that if they do get another another track like that, that they can find a way of posting 200, posting two two fifty. Um, and and the other thing their their batting coach said, which ties into this, is they know their bowling attack can bowl out any team in the world cheaply, and um, and mm. the Australians know how strong strong they are. Nokia, Rabada, Engidi, um, and Jansen, who I was really impressed with at the Gabba and his limited uh, time at the bowling crease. So that's um, if if you have a world class bowling attack that can keep you in Test matches, um, no matter how fragile your, your batting is so that's why you know you just wouldn't be riding South Africa off in this series yet definitely and we know you're a fast bowling enthusiast Lou uh, was Jansen the, the one of the South African bowlers who caught your eye in that first test favorite in terms I just hadn't seen the guy before like I've seen Rabada um, bowl a lot I've seen Norkia a bit I guess in, in IPL and the T20 World Cup and stuff like that but um, I, I admit that I just have probably slept on Jansen as a as a cricketer, as a as an absolute unit, a two hundred and seven <laughs> centimetre bowling left arm all rounder. Like, um, he's the kind of guy that you'd you'd invent if you're playing, um, you know, EA cricket two thousand four. <laughs> create your own cricketer. That's that's the prototype kind of maximum guy. Maximum height. Yeah, maximum. Yeah, surely he wouldn't go much over two hundred and seven <laughs> centimetres. Um, and left arm swingers from from there, and you know he got Manus out with his first ball in Test cricket in Australia. So um, that's something the West Indies struggled to do. It's something you know a lot of teams have struggled to do. So um, I, I think they're in a, in a really good place. The one uh, question and the one thing that the Justin was kind of talking about today was that um, or more he got asked about really was whether they might consider playing an extra batter if it's going to be another seeming pitch. And you probably look back at the selection for the Gabba and probably go, did they need five bowlers? Did they, they didn't, I mean, they didn't need a spinner, but, um, you know, I understand why they picked one, but I think the the play would have been probably to go just four bowlers and, um, and, and strengthen your batting that way. This is, this is the luxury that Australia have, that they always have four quicks when Cameron Green's in the team. Uh, so, you know, not everyone and, and Jansen's batting probably just doesn't quite look at, at Cameron Green's level as well. So um, they're all things for them to weigh up if they get another another spicy surface here. Yeah, it sure will be. Uh, now, another man who can reach those speeds of 150 clicks is Lance Morris. He's been around the test squad. He's been impressing a lot of people with his raw pace. Louis, what did you guys talk about when you caught up with him earlier today? Yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting to speak to him. Uh, just spoke to spoke to him. I guess just got him to explain um, who he is to to the public, to, to people who haven't necessarily uh, paid much attention to his rise. He's, he's a left leading Sheffield Shield wicket taker at the moment, and that's why he's in the squad. Um, so just covered a bit of his background and, and what he's learnt off the likes of Mitch Stark and Pat Cummins over the last few weeks. So uh, without further ado, let's jump straight into it. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm with Lance the Wild Thing Morris on the Unplayable Podcast. He's kind of cringing and making a bit of a face when I say that nickname. But I just wanted to kind of get it out of the way early because I imagine it's um, something that kind of gets brought up a lot around Australia's uh, newest fast bowler, someone who probably didn't expect to to be here um, ahead. So I'm speaking to him ahead of the Boxing Day test. Lance, um, it must have been a, a whirlwind few weeks kind of being around the squad. Can you kind of sum it up all in a in a couple of sentences yeah it's been it's been amazing um to be honest it probably hasn't really sunk sunk in yet so uh yeah i, I played a shield game at the wacker uh, at the gabba sorry and um i was playing for wa uh had a pretty close game that ended in a draw so um the the mine was ticking over already and then about 20 minutes 10 to 20 minutes after the game finished i got a phone call and um I was on a flight down to Adelaide the next day, so it was pretty amazing. Right, and that game was at the Gabba, wasn't it? At the Gabba, yeah. So you haven't actually been home since you got the call up? Oh, well, apart from apart from going to Perth, first no, of all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't go back to Perth. Right, um, right. Yeah, so I've uh, been on the road since, living out of the suitcase and um, getting by, so it's all right. I, I yeah, we were just speaking off here before and you did say that you'd left out a, a key piece of um, key piece of clothing equipment. Can you tell us about that? Oh, any formal shirt. I'm just rolling around in T-shirts. So um, I've got my partner coming over and hopefully she can cart some stuff over for me. So, yeah, it should be good. For the record, uh, people listening at home, Lancey is looking very smooth in, in a blue T-shirt. So he, uh, he's not um, he's not completely living up to his nickname off the field as the as the wild thing. Uh, Lance, I'm, I'm really interested in just kind of what you've learnt around um, you know, being being around the squad for the first time, you're someone people listening to this podcast probably know a little bit about. They probably tuned in the Sh- the Sheffield Shield highlights and know you a bit from there. But um, what are the kind of things you've, um, I guess, you've picked up from being around? You know, Pat Cummins, Mitch Stark, these kind of guys the last few weeks. Uh, I would say the main thing that's really stood out for me is just how how laid back and casual everyone actually is. I think as an outsider coming into the group. At first, um, you probably think things are a bit more full on, um, but straight off the bat, uh, I went in with a with the um, skipper and um, selector and head coach, and they said we want you to own your own space. You, you're basically here for a reason, and you know what you need to get done. So, um, yeah, own your own game, and that I think that's a really nice approach. And you must have been a little bit nervous kind of coming in and, and probably meeting some of these guys for the first time as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, you got the best 
I would say probably the best bowling attack in the world. And then you've got some of the best batters in the world as well. These guys have every right to be a, um, a bit stuck up, I guess, but they're not. They're, they're so um, they're so humble and welcoming and they're willing to have a chat and get to know you. So it's been great. It seems like every time I've, I've seen you bowl on the nets, you're, you're picking someone's brain. I kind of think back to the Adelaide Oval when I think it was that what should have been day five of that test and you had a bit of a bowl when, when everyone was kind of watching Pat and seeing, you know, seeing how his, his quad would go. But you were, you were having a trundle there as well and, and picking his brain. Tell us about that and, you know, what you've learnt from a, from a bowling point of view, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's just nice to have someone of that calibre to um, bounce things off, I guess. So he and from what I've gathered so far, we've had some really nice conversations and he loves talking about bowling and it's nice to see the number one test bowl in the world also has issues as well. And he's, he's very open about that too. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good to connect, um, with him on that level, I guess. So, uh, yeah, being around someone like that who can, um, talk about the game. So casually it's, it's really nice. Are there things that you've been exposed to that he's spoken about or that any of the other fast bowlers have spoken about that are different to the kind of things that you speak about at, at domestic level? That's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't think a whole lot has changed. To be honest, um, it's just nice to have uh, someone else's opinion. I guess like you can playing shield cricket and being locked away in, in your state is um, can probably shelter you a bit, um, which can be good and bad. But uh, being in this environment and having those kind of eyes on you and um, yeah, being un- like probably going under the radar for a bit and then all of a sudden um, getting a bit more exposure um, is pretty good. So I think that's probably the main thing that's changed really. Because, and, and you talk about going under the radar, like uh, I reckon at the start of this season, well, I'll ask you, at the start of this season, did you think a test call-up was was close by at all? <sighs> you, you dream of it uh, and you sort of think that it's, a lot further off than what it actually is. That's what I've found out, obviously. So, um, I don't know. I think everything happens really quickly and speaking to everyone else, that's sort of how the way it goes. You literally one phone call away. So, um, yeah, I, if you told me 12 months ago, I was, I was going to be traveling with the test team. I would have probably laughed in your face. So yeah, it's been pretty amazing. Tell us a little bit about your, your background, Lance. I was kind of looking, looking it up. Uh, yesterday and doing a bit of prep for this and uh, you're from a place in WA that I've never heard of before. Tell us about your upbringing and, and kind of where you where you come oh, from. Actually surprised you haven't heard of Dunsborough before. That's a beautiful, beautiful place. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I've, I've not heard of it. Yeah. So, yeah, probably 20 minutes north of like the Margaret River wine region. Um, I grew up down in Dunsborough. I was down there playing club cricket. Uh, till I was probably about 17 years old, I finished up schooling. I went to school in Bunbury, mm-hmm. which is probably an hour bus drive away from Dunsborough, so it's sort of like halfway between Dunsborough and Perth. Um, yeah, I, I, I've always loved my cricket, so uh, it got to the stage when I was probably about 17-year-old year old, uh, where I was like, if I want to take this serious, I, ne- I need to get into um, the Premier Premier League system, which is in Perth. Um, to sort of be considered at all, I think. So I made the way, made my way up and joined up with Scarborough Cricket Club um, through a mutual friend down in Bustledon. So 
uh, that was pretty seamless and um, I got rushed into the first grade side, which I was, that's probably the moment where I was like, oh, okay, I'm actually like, I'm actually got all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually okay at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is there a sense of that when you when you grow up in the bush and you, you're kind of in the country that you're not really sure how that will potentially translate to the, the big smoke? 100%, yeah. Uh, yeah, you a little bit isolated in a sense um, and you sort of put those guys on a pedestal. Like it's funny talking about it now, You like first grade cricket, you're like, oh, how good would it be to be playing in a first grade team in Perth? Uh, looking back on that now, it's pretty pretty funny. But um, yeah, there's definitely like I've, I had chats with people who were playing up in Perth and said it's definitely worth moving. Like you, you'll go well. So um, very glad I made that move. Moving to Perth as a 17 year old as well. That's that's young. That's a young age to. Uh, leave home and, and do that how did you I mean first of all how did you kind of cricket go after you, you made your debut at such a young age for, for Scarborough and how did you find you know uh, living out of home for, for the first time I suppose yeah it was it was a pretty to be fair I ha- I've had it very very lucky to be honest my I've got a very good um, circle around me my parents have always backed back to my cricket and supported me so like uh, I was lucky enough to be living um, with my siblings up in Perth as well at the time, and I still do. How many siblings you got? I got two older siblings, so right. um, it's nice. They they were all going through uni at that stage, and um, I was sort of making my way into the um, the program at at WA. So yeah, we, like the transition wasn't too hectic. So um, yeah, it was definitely nice to have it like that where this can be the final question on this particular thing where did the wild thing nickname come from who gave it to you uh and and why is it stuck so i'll try and make it as short as possible but um basically it originated at scarborough cricket club uh who started calling me at first i'm not too sure but uh one of the so one of the scarborough guys was in the whacker set up and um, there's a whiteboard that you write your name on to see the whacker doctor. And I put my name down. He walked in there, scrubbed it off, wrote wild thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I walked in the next day to see the doctor and he's like, wild thing. You wrote that? And I was like, no, I promise I did not write that. I don't, don't call myself the wild thing at all. So um, from that point, it pretty much stuck. And, I kick up a bit of a stink about it, but I think the more you resist it, the more it sticks. So I think, I don't know, ideally I can shrug that at some point because I honestly do believe that there's only, there can only be one wild thing and that's Sean Tate. Well, I was going to say it's not an original nickname. No, right? exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, recycled nickname. I mean, it's not the worst, but, yeah, it would be nice if we could – Maybe get something different going. It didn't name that. Who was the person who, who rubbed, rubbed it off? I believe it was Andrew Rule. Okay. So he right. used to play at Scarborough Cricket Club and moved over to East. Right. And so I imagine part of the reason you, you probably didn't love it at first or you know, might not still like it now is because you're trying to prove that you're not a wild thing, right? You, you want to prove that you can hit the top of off six times in a row and is that kind of part of, part of why? Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. But in the same sense, I mean, that's probably a part of my game that has got me this far anyways. Um, 
being a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to be that um, that channel bowler that just bowls outside off all day and and waits for the batter to make a mistake. I want to I want to get up him a bit and intimidate and 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 like blast him out a bit. I guess is is my ideal um, bowling spell. I guess. And then, so from your early days, was did you? I mean, a did you have that attitude when you first are into the Wacker system and they're rubbing your name off the whiteboard and, and stuff like that? And has that always been something that's you know been encouraged of you by by people around around WA cricket? I would say I've been lucky in the sense that they like from day dot they've said you bowl fast. That's that's what we. That's why you're here. Don't change a thing. Like we, there's no. There's no point in like putting the shackles on and trying to make you bowl top of off every bowl and um, become predictable, I guess, in a sense. But uh, there, there's an element, an element of like reining in a bit. Like obviously, I had, I had the pace and things like that. But yeah, the next, the next step was execution, and I think um, I've got a lot, better, a lot better at that over the last twelve months. So um, yeah. So what were from those early days? What were the kind of things that you needed to to trim around the edges, as you kind of put it? Um, tech, there's there's definitely some technical things. Um, honestly, like I hardly gave it any thought before I came into the into the system. So uh, it took a little while to iron out a few creases, I guess. But and it's still a work in progress. Like I'm sure everyone's like that even even the top level guys are they're still chipping away at things and and working on things at training so um yeah that that'd be the main things like some technical changes that just make it easier on your body and easier to execute every ball so that that's that's probably the biggest thing who have been the biggest influences on you from you know bowling coach point of view captains you've had um yeah who, who's really helped you on in that journey uh, I'd have to say my number one influence is definitely um, my, my old man. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. He's always been a cricket fanatic. He played a heap of country cricket um, and he's always been the number one supporter. Uh, yeah, he's he's the first one to send me a text after the game and um, whenever we're talking, 90% of the time it's about cricket. So, um, yeah, I've been very lucky to have him. But also um, I've had some pretty good coaches coming in the setup as well. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, we had Matt Mason join the uh, West Australian Cricket Association and he was very good for me. Um, absolutely loved having him around. Unfortunately, he had to move back to the UK. So, But we now got um, new coach uh, McDonald and he's very much similar character. So been very lucky. Matt seemed to have been a big influence on quite a lot of the the WA fast bowlers. I know Cameron Green did a lot of lot of work with him over the last few years. I mean, I remember speaking to him once, and he spoke a lot about run ups for fast bowlers, and that seems to be a thing that he helped change with with quite a few of them. I think even Joel Paris might have yeah. done some stuff on that level. Have, did, was that something that you you kind of addressed with him, or were, were there other things yeah, that you had to work on? Yeah, I think when you look at it. I don't want to get too technical, but yeah, the, you start from the very start and that's probably where things start to go wrong. So run up is the first thing you do. Uh, and he, he was pretty big on me. I used to run in really slow, stop on the crease and just muscle the ball as hard as I, and it was not good for my body. Like, um, 
so that was definitely one of the first things that we we set about changing so um he had his signature poles out that along the crease line which we used to hate but um yeah that that was a really big thing i think was definitely getting a kick up the backside when i was running in a bit slow and um changing that a bit i guess talk us through what what the poles are at the at the bowling crease basically yeah like plastic poles that they just stick in the ground it's it's so basic but it actually does make a really big difference and it kind of puts it it makes a little corridor where you just don't have a choice to but to bowl in straight lines and and like if your arm goes away from your body you smack on a pole you hit your head on the pole or something like which has happened quite a lot by the way so um yeah you don't you don't really have a choice but to do what he's saying because um in the past like you can you can kid yourself a bit and say oh yeah i definitely feel like i'm i'm standing a bit taller or whatnot but you're actually doing the same thing so you get the direct feedback of smacking your head on the pole if you if you're not doing it right was it really your head or was it your arm? A uh, bit of both, yeah. So I'm just trying to imagine how you'd end up with your head going off to the side. Yeah, well, who knows? It feels, it feels completely different when you're letting the ball go and then um, when someone shows you footage of you from behind, it looks completely different. So, yeah. Leading Sheffield Shield wicket-taker this season, from a statistical point of view, people think it's a it's been a breakout season for you. Do you feel like something kind of clicked, whether it was over the last off-season or, or kind of coming into this season, that, yeah, something, something just kind of clicked for you? I think the big thing was just really having an extended run of, um, of games and opportunities, um, getting, getting a lot more overs under my belt, I think, if you compared this year to previous years, I was bowling a fair bit less overs during games and um, I think I've got a bit more responsibility now, which I've probably earned in a sense. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that was the main thing that's probably clicked this year is just having a lot more exposure, I guess. I was, re- I was reading as well that you had to put on some weight as well physically, right? Yeah, I think that's that's something I spoke to with um, actually Nick Jones who left the Wacker and came to CA. So it's nice having him in this setup now as well. Uh, I spoke with him in the S&C during the last off-season and um, sort of had the goal of putting on some lower body weight, I guess, which just helps you in in the long term i mean as soon as i i'm sort i'm the sort of person as soon as i start playing cricket and bowling overs i just shed weight pretty quickly so um having that little little bit of leeway um before you start really burning your burning into your um fuel sources i guess like yeah that's the main thing and it could be the opposite for a lot of other cricketers. Like I know Scott Boland, for example, he's a guy who just looks at food and puts on weight. The poor guy, like, yeah, it, is that? I mean, was it kind of nice? Like, what over the over the preseason was it like just a a buffet kind? Yeah, of it was a bit of a free for all. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm very lucky. I'm sure it'll probably catch up to me at some stage. But no, my diet my diet is actually pretty good. So um, yeah, it was about eating quantity of food and and. Um, getting the work in. So, uh, yeah, I managed to put on a little bit of weight, which I think actually has helped me if, a bit in terms of staying on the park. Give us a give us an insight into a Lance Morris um, dinner or, you know, during the preseason. Is it like a, a massive bowl of pasta? Sorry. Yeah, lots of carbs. Right. Carbs with every meal. I'll have I'll have bread with pasta and, and 
potatoes, you name it. I'm yeah. absolutely loading up and um, yeah, there's not much that's off limits to be honest. Yeah, that, that must be pretty nice. It's like, very nice, yeah. yeah. I'm probably, I should make the most of it while I can, I think, because I think it catches up to everyone at some point that the metabolism starts to slow down a bit. Yep, yep. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts, mate. Um, so you said you weren't really expecting the call up to, to kind of come into the team. Now that you now that you're around this this test side, um, you know I guess there's every chance you, you could play it at some point. What's um you know what's been the, the feedback from selectors, coaches in terms of what role you might play if um if you did get the baggy green at some point? Yeah, I think it's very much very much the same as what I have been in the past, which is good. Uh, they they want me. They've seen me as a strike bowler and um i guess i'm i'm probably that replacement for someone like like a mitchell stark who's who's bowling fast and intimidating and um it sounds funny when i say it like that because i can't believe we're actually in the same sentence to be honest but yeah. uh yeah that, that's probably this the sort of role that i would come into i guess so um i just it's been been a bit of a weird couple of weeks training and staying as ready as possible um, knowing that it, it could happen at some point. Does it, you, you said, it's really interesting that you say it's weird to even put yourself in the same sentence as Mitch Stark, rubbing shoulders with him and Pat Cummins and these guys and, and even some of the batters too. Have, does it feel less weird now than it did, you know, two or three weeks ago? Yeah, definitely. And I, I have them to thank for that as well because they, they've made the transition very easy for sure. They're just normal, normal guys. They're so easy to have a conversation with, um, and any one of them would be welcome to go and have a coffee and and have a chat. Have you allowed yourself? There's obviously we've got Melbourne and Sydney tests to come. There's obviously a tour of India after that. That's often a place that gets talked about as somewhere where you need a bit of extra pace and that kind of thing. Have you allowed yourself to think about, um, you know, potentially getting on on that tour too? Yeah, I'm definitely taking it day by day at the moment. But uh, yeah, that that could be yeah definitely a possibility. So and that would be an amazing experience. I've never done any international tours or anything like that. So just um, the exposure in that environment and learning how to play the conditions and things like that will be will be pretty big. So yeah, if I'm if I somehow end up on that tour, then that'll be awesome. So you haven't played cricket overseas? No, I haven't. I haven't played any cricket overseas. So um, yeah. Anytime I'm flying overseas to play cricket would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Have you been overseas? Uh, yeah, I've done plenty of family holidays and things like that. So, um, but I guess, yeah, when your job takes you overseas and to different places, that's that's pretty cool. A final one just on, on that front because I know you're in the, the IPL auction. I think as when people listen to this podcast, they will already know if you've, you've gotten bought or not. Will you be keeping a close eye on that uh, today? Yeah. Uh, I'd be lying if I was to say I wouldn't. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I, as I said to you before, I think I'm more interested about how Cameron Green goes because he's been massive chat at the moment. So, and he deserves every cent he gets as well because he's been amazing the last couple of years. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll be having an eye on that for sure. Good deflection, mate. Uh, come on, you, you must be expecting. Are you expecting a couple of bids? Have you have you? Has any franchises spoke to you or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think there there's a bit of interest there. Um, but it's, I feel like it's a little bit of a lottery. Anything could really happen on the night and you, you get contacted from teams, but you don't know if you're their plan A, B, C, D, like it could be anything could happen. So I'm not expecting anything. So. Right. 
we'll be uh, we'll be watching that one with interest. We'll also be watching with interest to see if you get a run in Melbourne or Sydney or even beyond that. Uh, Lance, thanks for your time. That awesome. Thanks for having me on. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.